Well, today, we have to close out our series in Lamentations. And no one ever cheers at that. But no. <laughs> and we are so excited to have Pastor Steve Coolish with us from New York City, like that New York City, the cool one. Um, and he does so much amazing ministry there. He has, we've given him an opportunity. Some of you guys might have remembered, you were here, was it a year and a half ago you were here, Pastor Steve? Ish? Ish? Yeah, something like that. Uh, we're so excited to get to, to hear some updates of what's going on there. Uh, since he's come, we've actually brought Pastor Steve and his ministry on as a ministry that we support every single month. So some of what you give today actually goes to him, uh, which is kind of cool. All those different missionaries we support, some of what you give goes to them, which, I, which is a really great thing. Because at Element Church, we believe that much of what we've been given is to give away. And so with that, uh, you can talk about this much better than I can, Rev. So it's all on you. Hey, guys, we'll give it Element Church welcome, Pastor Steve. So good to be here with your family. Uh, and I count you as my family. Uh, Pittsburgh is actually home for me, so... Uh, it's always good to be in the home uh, territory and um, excited. Would you stand with me one more time, please? Find somebody next to you. Look them in the face. But don't give them the subway greeting. See, in the subway, if I look you in the eye, it's like usually, yo, you want a little bit of this or what? Don't do that. Smile at them. Act like we're saved this morning and we're happy that we know it. Amen. And I love that scripture that I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor things above, below, around, through, good, bad, whatever can ever separate me from the love of God. You believe that this morning? So look each other in the eye. Smile, and when I count to three, we're going to tell each other that we are persuaded. You got it? Are you ready? One, two, three. I'm. Okay, we can do that a little bit better. Are you ready? One, two, three. I'm. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you had your coffee, your latte, uh, your chai tea. Uh, your Starbucks uh, cappuccino with a swirl and a cherry on top or whatever. Uh, but at least now the blood's flowing and it's a good thing. Well, such a privilege to be here with you guys today. And, and thank you for being one of our supporting churches, not only in finances but in your prayers. Because there are times when to get from one side of the week to the other side of the week is just a difficult, difficult uh, time. But you know, when this church prays for us, we can feel the power of the Holy Spirit move on us. Not only just for protection, but for anointing to deal with certain situations 
You know, uh, a quick little illustration about a little church that kind of relates to ICU ministries, intensive care, urban ministry. There was a little church back in the day during the Second World War, and they had a beautiful statue out in front of the church of Jesus, and he had his arms out uh, as if to say, come, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, that particular night, there was a bombing run, and bombs exploded all around that little city in France. And in the morning, tragedy revealed that the hands of the statue had been blown off, and the feet were blown off, and the face was marred, and you couldn't even make out that the statue had any eyes or ears. The people woefully came back, and they were just all mourning and just upset and crying. And one man said it like this. He said, how can a Christ, a statue of Christ, reach out to people? How, how can he move into their lives? How can he see what's going on? And then God just put a word on the heart of somebody one day. And it went kind of like this. We are to be Christ's eyes. We are to be Christ's hands. How do we incarnate Christ in our community? I thank God that he called us from the Pittsburgh area. And we already, as we were here felt the call of God, and we began to minister to little churches all through the Pittsburgh, Beaver County, Butler County, uh, Allegheny County, and uh, just began to ask them, what do you need, and to bless and to love on them and help them uh, with all areas, all different areas of ministry. And then one day, my wife and I were sitting and praying together, and we said, Lord, is there a way we can do this full-time? You see, we were pretty good. I was working at Schumann Detention Center. I was the guy in the bulletproof little office. If you were going to take over the place, you'd take me out first. Very comforting. My wife was ICU uh, nurse, amongst other things she had trained for at Passivan Hospital. And we were doing pretty good. I had a pick-em-up truck, and we had a car, and we had a little house at the end of the cul-de-sac. But how many knows that sometimes God just pulls the down out of the nest? And he makes your heart beat a little faster for his will and his way. You know, there were certain family members who couldn't even come to help us move when we told them that we're going to New York City. Imagine that. They were so, they were in mourning so bad for us that they couldn't even come. And they would look at us, aren't you crazy for wanting to raise two boys in New York City? I said, oh, I would be crazy if I didn't. Because in the will of God, it's like in the secret place of the Most High. When the storm comes, there's a little place in the middle of the storm. God has helped us and blessed us. We partner, prepare, plant, and see God's progress in New York City. 
and several churches that we loved on and blessed. Uh, just recently, Pastor Mark Alonzo planted a church on Staten Island in Stapleton, and we're just seeing God do amazing things. You talk about favor. A little while back, I prayed, Lord, I need spiritual sons. I want to I do not want to do this thing in New York City for 22 years and not see sons and daughters in the faith because I'm not always going to be there. And what it's going to be when they take over and they begin to spread the legacy is that they're going to be doing a living bridge into the future. And it's exciting. Pastor Mark is ministering in Stapleton. Stapleton is one town down from where the Staten Island Ferry comes in in St. George, Staten Island. And Mark is seeing amazing things. In that little community, there are New York NYCHA apartments that tower over that whole section of uh, Staten Island there. And we've been there with Mark on several occasions and just blessing and ministering. As a matter of fact, at Christmas time, we uh, gather scarves and mittens and gloves and all of those kinds of things. And then somebody blessed us with a box of 75 minions. I said, what in the world are you going to do with minions, Brother Steve? We repackaged them into little bag things of Christmas goodies with the little cologne, the minion, the uh, little candy. And we blessed Pastor to take that uh, into the apartments. Do you know, as they went into those apartments, the people were in tears as they knocked on the door and let them know that they were from Faith Point Assembly of God Church. Not a one of those people in that a huge apartment building had ever received a call from a pastor or a local church. Can you imagine that? But they went in and they said, we love you. Here's a little something. It's not much, but it's just a little token to let you know that we love you and we're praying for you, and we invite you to Faith Point Church, which meets in the local school, literally in the center of the community. And you talk about the favor of the Lord. They have been reaching out and blessing that little uh, middle school, and now the principal and the uh, vice principal came to them one day and said, Pastor Mark and Ruthie, we don't want you to pay rent anymore. We're just going to bless you because you've been faithful to love on us. Uh, favor of the Lord is not fair sometimes. It's just favor. And I thank God that there are many other pastors that we're seeing and helping God uh, be uh, the incarnation of Jesus in the neighborhoods and loving them. Uh, that's what it's all about. 
There are certain neighborhoods that there are Sikhs and Hindus. One day, a little Muslim boy's on the corner, and uh, we began to witness to him as the missions team came in. And we gave him a little gospel glove that has different colors on the fingers and started to lead him to Christ. Well, we didn't understand what was going on. Across the street, there was four Muslim ladies in full burqas that started across the street like really quick. And I was like, the brave missionary said, oh, this is my personal jihad. But you know what? The mama came up to me, and she puts her hand on my shoulder, and she whispers, I love Jesus with all my heart. I can't take this burqa off. But thank you for winning my little mister to Jesus. Wow, wouldn't it be a cool thing in heaven for former Muslims to tap us on the shoulder and say, thank you for telling us. Former Sikhs to tap us on the shoulder and say, thank you for telling us. Thank you for loving on us. You know, there's some times where we can't figure out how in the world we're going to minister to Sikhs and Hindus. And the Holy Spirit will drop a little thought into my head. Say, get a kiddie pool and put ice in it and get like maybe six or eight watermelons and cut them down in quarters because, you know, the Sikhs and Hindus, they don't eat meat. So I don't want to offend them. Got to start out on a good note. Build bridges, build relationships. So on about a 90 or close to 100 degree day, and we're blessing them with ice cold watermelon and bottles of water and candy and showing them the gospel gloves, those Hindu and Sikh people are weeping their way to my Jesus. What a precious thing. You see, I... I in my briefcase, in my uh, other cases, and on my display, I don't have anything that brings revival or wins people to Christ. But I do have the Holy Spirit. And he gives amazing, amazing ideas. Thank you, church, for supporting us. Thank you for praying for us. We've been in New York City now 22 years to the glory of God. Moved from the Pittsburgh, Gibsonia area and just out and out threw ourselves on the mercy of the cross and him crucified. And I'll tell you what, it's been an amazing journey to see what God is doing. But thank you from the bottom of our hearts for helping us, loving us, and uh, helping us uh, to do ministry. If you guys uh, would love to participate. There's a couple of different ways you can do that. And again, thank you, thank you so much for supporting us, for praying for us. But we do have two different projects. Uh, we have a warm-up winter project where we collect scarves, mittens, gloves, all of those types of things. You say what size from toddler all the way through adult. Because you know yourself, you can blink your eyes and those little people, they grow out of that stuff like yesterday. One time I bought tennis shoes for my number one son. Week and a half, I kid you not, he got a growth spurt and he couldn't fit those things anymore. But that's how it is. People uh, pay 
exorbitant rents and can barely put food on the table, but whenever we come alongside, we want to do everything through the local church plant because that church plant will be the lighthouse that's going to be there in that particular neighborhood. So if you feel uh, you'd like to partner with that, let your pastor know on the back of our card is the address where you can send any gloves, mittens, scarves, all of that. We start to put things together the first week in December, and we run all the way through Valentine's Day, because you know it's cold on Valentine's Day. Quick story. Uh, one of our pastors, uh, Jean Kassoon, Guyanese Church, uh, she's preaching in February there near Valentine's Day, and uh, the Holy Spirit told me I just got two boxes in the mail, and the Holy Spirit said, take those boxes to Jean on Saturday. I said, but Lord, I could do it on Monday. It'll be organized. I don't care about your organization. Get those boxes over. Said, yes, sir. I took the boxes over, and you know there was a snowstorm in the middle of, the, of her service and they were not dressed for that kind of weather but the Holy Spirit knew and those boxes and gloves and everything she started dressing them like she was mama and she is she just is and they were blessed so that's how tangible the local church can use those things to bless and if you'd like to come on a mission trip we would love to have you come to our little city we have information that we can provide your pastor. There could be kids' crusades. There could be working on buildings. There's a lot of different things. We even partner with Elohim Assembly of God that feeds about 800 to 900 families in a week. So thank you for your consideration on that, but limitations. Let's jump in. Title of my message is What You Can't See. You know, sometimes when you get sick or you get troubled, it's not so much what you can see, it's what you can't see. Those germs and all that stuff and how they affect us. And so it kind of reminds me of a few things. And, you know, uh, if you've read um, Hosea, uh, it, it is part of this kind of lamenting thing also. But there it talks about a door of hope in the valley of Agar. You know, in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your situations, God always has a door of hope. And he'll show you where the handle is. And you can reach there and open that door of hope. But in the meantime, I'm reminded of a little song. I don't know if any of you remember back in the day, there was an old show called Hee Haw. You remember that show? They'd be picking and grinning on their banjos. I know, I'm ve that's very old, but you have to pardon me. I date back a few years now. My sons look at me and they say, Daddy, your hair's getting thin. I said, I know, I earned it. <laughs> we have you in our household. No. <laughs> but there was a little skit that they did while they were picking the guitars. 
And so if somebody were to ask somebody from the Berg, how you doing? Yun's doing okay? And, in, and the answer, if you were on that show, might go like this. Gloom, oh, despair, oh, and agony on me. If we had no bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. Oh, gloom, despair, and agony on me. I stand 6'8 when I am completely unfurled. And to find a tall girl, I've looked all around. Well, one day this shopkeep uptown advertised everything for us and tall guys. Well, I ran over there as fast as my long legs could carry me. And I came up to the counter. And yeah, they had everything for us and Tall guys, tall shirts, tall pants, tall overhauls. But they didn't have tall girls. Oh, gloom, despair, and agony on me. If we had no bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. You see, limitations of Jeremiah. Uh, some things that describe this limitation is complaining. It was a dirge or a song that accompanies a funeral. It was a, I, I had to look this one up. It's an elegy, a poem that's serious in its reflection. It was grieving. It's a Jeremiah, a long mournful complaint. It was keening, it, in other words, wailing. I don't know if you've been to some funerals where there's not much hope, and you hear the shrieking, crying, mournful, because they are grieving without hope. Thank God we as Christians can grieve with hope. Because we know that if we receive Christ as our Savior, we have a blessed hope that we will see that person in heaven. There, he was mourning. And it was like a requiem or a mass for a funeral. Sobbing. Sorrow. My text today, Limitations 21 and 22. It goes like this. Restore us to yourself. O oh Lord, that we may return, renew our days as of old. And then verse 22 kind of goes back to another mindset. Because 21 is restore, return, renew. Lord, we know you got this. You know, we're just asking you to do it. Sometimes you don't have it because you don't ask for it. You know, kids, they get it because they ask for it. They know if they just ask, then they look up with those little eyes. They're going to get it. But in verse 22, it goes, unless you have utterly rejected us. 
gloom, despair, and agony on me. And you remain exceedingly angry with us. Oh, what are we going to do? But I love the way Jewish Hebrew poetry, if you will, always repeats the promise statement. And so they repeat again in verse 21, again, restore us. Even after we told you that you forgot us, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may return and renew like the days of old. Look at your neighbor and help me a little bit. From my head, say it with me, from my head to my heart to my whole life. You see, when we go from our head, that's a re hitting the reset button. God wants to hit the reset button. Maybe your circuit breaker in your head kicked out. You got to go find a circuit breaker panel and reset it. He will help you to reset it. And when it's talking about your heart, that's an emotional reset. Sometimes you've got to click almost every last one of those breakers to get all of the power to come back in your house once it's gone off. And then to my whole life, that's a holistic, all-encompassing. You know, at the bottom of your breaker panel, there's usually one that covers the whole house. We don't usually flip that one, but some days God has to help us just flip the whole house thing. Just flip the whole house thing, because I'm a hot mess, God. You just got to flip the whole thing, because it's messed up. I'm messed up. I don't know if I can go on. Help me, help me, help me. You see, this is talking about our position. And in limitation, we see we have a first-person kind of metaphor kind of thing talking about Zion as the daughter and then we have a movement to the third person, uh, Israel, and they talk it through like that in the third person. And most of limitations is orderly layout. And what we're dealing with here is the death of the country of Israel Basically, they're carried off into another land. Their walls are burnt down. Their elements from the temple are uh, grabbed up and basically cast in the middle of the street like they're uh, just junk. There's here in Limitation is five funeral dirges. Don't get worried. I'm not going to give you a funeral message this morning. There's going to be life and light at the end of this tunnel. It was written for and recited for someone who had just passed away, who had died. But there needed to be a response made to God. And so this is God's response. Can you imagine as Israel is crying out in the midst of their woe and their need. And God the Father, I, I love him because he's my daddy. And when you talk to daddy, he bends his ear down, even when you're a little person, and he gives a listen. 
God the Father bending his ear down to give a listen to you to see what's going on. Chapter 5, break it down. It's a remnant appeals for mercy and restoration. 1 to 18 is prayer for remembrance. 19 through 22 is prayer for restoration. You know, it gets really orderly, and the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and it just matches them up in an amazing acrostic for the first four chapters. And now, Jeremiah is not trying to hold it together. He knows that he's been orderly and reciting the thing that, that is troubling him in Israel, and he's trying to keep it together in an orderly fashion. But suddenly, he just loses it. He comes unglued. Chapter 5, he's just trying to keep orderly, but he can't. And he gets unplugged. And he just starts wailing away at different things. Somehow it just turns into this rant. It's like getting a drink through a fire hose. I'm driving down the road, New York City. Three little boys are at this fire plug. They ripped off one of those great big wrenches. And they opened that rascal up. Well, they wanted water so they could wash windows. You get in the picture what's what's happening here. And so suddenly that water is just like and the little boy puts his bucket there. And it goes a block and a half down the street. And it's a mess. I don't want to give a drink through a fire hose this morning. God doesn't want to do that to us. Did you ever have an episode reach your tolerance limits? I have. I, I you know, when I worked at the jail, one mom came in, and I'm looking at her. I smiled. I said, how you doing today, ma'am? She looks me in the eye with all kind of pain and indignance, and she goes, I am on my last nerve. You ever been on your last nerve? I have. I pray, you know, that we never get there. But sometimes life just puts you on your last nerve. And we explode. And we start to lament. And suddenly, from the depths of our pain in our hearts, comes this torrent, explosion of thoughts and ideas and words. We realize that we can't suffer in silence anymore. And we begin to pour that out to God. Look at your neighbor and say, from my head to my heart to my whole life. Now, 
Chapter 5 of Lamentation, the Funeral Dirge. Verse 1 talks about a disgraced people. Verse 2 talks about children. Verse 3 talks about orphans and widows. Verse 4 about thirsty and cold. Uh, verse 5 talks about weary people. Verse 6 talks about rotten partnerships. Verse 7 talks about sinful inheritance. Uh, verse 8 talks about lower than a slave. Verse 9 talks about being victims. Verse 10 talks about starving and burnt. Verse 11 talks about being abused. Verse 12 talks about food for the buzzards when they took the leadership or the kings and the royal family and stretched out their, chained their arms and their feet up so as if to be like an, an X and left them out in the field so that the birds of prey could feed on their flesh. They were a hot mess. Verse 13 talks about uh, that the children were beasts of burdens. Uh, verse 14, there was child abuse. Verse 15, there's no counsel. They were depressed. Verse 16, reviled, not sharp. But I'm here to tell you today, if you're in any of those circumstances... Your wilderness is not permanent. There is a way out. The Holy Spirit wants to minister to your heart today. Christ came and died for you in any of these situations. He will apply his love to you. It's an overwhelming, reckless love. It doesn't care about what you did. When reckless love went to the cross... On the other side of the cross, we didn't see the battle that was happening. We didn't see him wrestling with sin and death and corruption and disease. On the other side of the cross, overwhelming love showed his reckless abandon for us. It's like being in a football game and you're losing the whole first half. But they go into the locker room and the coaches look at the guys and they kind of turn the page and they say, look, we were doing this, but it wasn't happening. We need to shore it up. We need to blitz. We haven't been blitzing. We need to do all of these things because the game is about to change. I want to tell you, today is your turnaround moment. It's time. You see, God wants to change your disgrace into honor, your children to growing up, your orphans into adopted, your widows into newlyweds, your thirsty into quenched, your cold into warm, your weary and wounded into fresh and healed, your barren and rotten partnerships into trustworthy and wholesome, your sinful inheritance to royal endowment. I'm trying to tell you, he's changing up in the second half of your life. You're lower than a slave into a free man and debts paid. Your victim mentality into being an overcomer. 
You're starving and burnt into satisfied and renewed. You're abused into cherished. And when you walk into the room before the Lord, because wow, you're here. I love you. I've always loved you. Come. want to bless you. want to love you. Your food for buzzards changed into restored promise. Your old men that were fools, God was giving wisdom and pouring it out abundantly. The beast of burden that your young men are even doing, they're a conveyor of glory now. The child abuse has turned to cherish offspring. No counsel and depressed is turning to wisdom and exaltation. And you're not being sharp. It's turning into focused. Look at your neighbor and say, from my head to my heart to my whole life. Now we come to a paradox kind of situation. It's kind of left us in a quandary. We're left with this tension, unresolved tension, if you will. Jesus did it. It was an amazing thing. If you were concerned about heaven too much, he'd ask you, what are you doing on earth? If you were concerned about earth too much, he asked you, well, are you not striving for heaven? Psychologists state to us that tension can be a wonderful catalyst or a speeding up or an aid for a reaction. And you know what? Jesus knew wonderful psychological movements when he discussed things with people. And his type of negotiation was like this. He let quiet negotiate in a polite fashion. You know, I used to love yard sales. And I'd come up to your yard sale, and you'd have this amazing piece of glassware from whatever era. And I'd look at you, and I'd say, take a quarter for that? And they'd look at me. Hey, you know, I'd step back because, you know, at the jail I was taught an arm's length and 12 inches so that you can only strike out at me so far. And I'd just be quiet. And I would let silence negotiate. Maybe you have felt this nagging quiet and silence in your life like heaven is brass and it's just reflecting everything back down on you but sometimes we have to get quiet before the lord before we can really hear a word from the lord sometimes steve has to move over his facebook and his Instagram. And, oh, God forbid, turn my telephone off? Help me, Lord. I'm, I'm telling you this because I'm human too. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm the one that even if I'm watching a show or I'm doing something, I grab for my phone 27 times, and that's just in the first 15 minutes of my whatever. But God can move all of that stuff over to get us quiet. There's a little song that goes like this. I've heard a story a thousand times. What they think you're like. But I've heard whispers, the tender whispers of love in the dead of the night. Have you ever been there and you've cried out earnestly? And that whole list of stuff, man, you're the, all that and a few more. But when you cry out in the middle of the night, he's there for you. The song goes on to say, you're a good, good father. It, it was like when my kids were first born. And my wife and I would get up to change the little person, give the bottle. But that's what daddies and moms do. And that's what your heavenly father wants to do for you. He wants to reach to you even in the middle of the night when you're a mess. If the brother that did the worship set could come back and play softly. Look at your neighbor and say, from my head to my heart to my whole life. As we reach the conclusion of this funeral dirge. Lamentation, chapter 5. It's actually a book of hope. You see, the same covenant that provided punishment to disobedience provides restoration. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. Restoration for repentance. It provides hope in the midst of your despair. If we learn the lessons and turn back to God, that turning back is in the New Testament Greek. It means a complete turning, a 180-degree about-face. It's all about you, sweet anointing. It's all about you, God. And as we get back to our text, limitation, restore us to ourselves, O oh God that we may return and renew our days as of old. Unless you utterly reject us and you remain exceedingly angry at us. But let's do like the Hebrew poems. Let's repeat the covenant one more time. Lord, would you restore us? Would you return us? Would you renew us? I end my message 
with letting you know that the river of God has always been there. You know in Pittsburgh, we have what's called our fourth river. And it's kind of mysterious, kind of interesting, and kind of not a river at all. But if you do a little homework, can you imagine thousands and thousands of years ago that the mighty hand of God moved the glaciers across the state of Pennsylvania and carved out and left bedrock, sand, sandstone, and left a place where water underneath our city could be deposited. Now, it's not so much like its above-ground cousins, the Mon, the Allegheny, and the Ohio, but there are some characteristics of that water that, in that aquifer that are amazing. It stays 50 to 53 degrees year-round. And back in the day, some of the buildings in Pittsburgh would drill down wells into that aquifer and use it for heating, and the water was used for air conditioning. What I'm trying to tell you today with this little illustration about the Fourth River, the aquifer in Pittsburgh, is this. Your door of hope is about to swing open. If you just press in, reach for the handle, that aquifer, that river is there flowing from Calvary to you today. No matter what you need, no matter how you need it, no matter when you need it, it's going to be there for you. And as we later on participate in the communion time, would you meditate on this this morning? That God is your way maker. And even in the funeral times of your life, when certain things there will be certain things that need to be put to rest. There are other things we put to rest with celebration. Some things we just put to rest because God needs to get it out of our lives. But if you're feeling a little dry today, you're feeling a little spent today, and you re need some rejuvenation, you need to tap in to that fourth river, just like in Pittsburgh. And it flows from Calvary to you even today to meet every situation, every need in your life. God bless you.